Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank You for this beautiful day. A day that's snowing and cold and we can just all be here together and we appreciate that. And I thank You for each one venturing out. We pray for those who couldn't make it and maybe some that are recovering. We pray for Everett as he's recovering from his surgery and we thank You that Rick's with us today. But Lord, we also just lift up uh, Tom Gilly and just pray that you be with him as he uh, has surgery on Friday and, and just that your healing hand just be upon him and guide the surgeons. And Lord, for, for others maybe we're not aware of, we just lift them up to you. We, we pray for the Anderson family and, and we just thank you for the celebration service that we had Thursday and, and just pray that you just uh, keep working in the Anderson's life and, and just encourage each one of them. And Lord, for right now, we just pray that our hearts are open for what your word has for us. And, and Lord, as we go out of here, that maybe we will be a little more aware of, of the words that we say. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, do you remember that old nursery rhyme? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. Now, in reality, that's not very true. Because uh, probably we would rather have the sticks and stones uh, because we'd get over it quicker than some of the words that we're saying. Because the wounds of vicious words can really hurt. I'll have to put a bulletin under there next week. And if you hear negative words enough, a lot of times we start to actually believe those words even though they're not true. And... We believe Him in our heart, and even though in reality we know that it's not true, we start believing those things because they get said to us over and over. So somehow, maybe we make some of these negative words true, even though they're not. So, we're in this study on being wise. We're in our sixth week. I'm going to probably conclude it the next week. Um, looking at some of the Proverbs. And what's interesting that I'm struck again and again at the wisdom that's contained in this book, and I don't know how many of you are still reading through it. If you remember at the beginning, I asked if you could read through the book of Proverbs twice. Has anybody made it through twice? All right, we got two of them. Are you just telling me, or you actually do it? Okay. Proverbs is part of what we would call wisdom literature. There's a few books in the Bible that would be wisdom literature. And we can gain a lot of knowledge about ourselves and how we should live our lives in a way that honors God and glorifies God. And as we look through Proverbs, it's remarkable the way that God can use wisdom in our lives. And so for the past few weeks, we've talked about... Um, giving advice, taking advice. Um, we talked about what it was to be friends and all those. And today we're going to talk about specifically how we talk to one another. Because it's important for us, it's important for us to learn and also to teach the ones around us, whether it's kids or whatever, how to speak with wisdom. So how many of you feel really wise today? You know? Yeah, that's true. If you're 41 on this particular day, it's your birthday, you might be wise. I don't know. But have you ever been anywhere? It's kind of amazing how many times I've been in a store or whatever and there's been, 
a parent or a grandparent or, or someone and they start barking at the kids, screaming and hollering, and sometimes the kids are screaming and hollering at the parents. Um, but I think what amazes me, that, and not in a good way, is how much swearing goes on. Um, and it doesn't matter who is doing it. It doesn't matter where. It doesn't matter when. But there's a lot of language that's very atrocious today. And sometimes it's not so much the swearing, but it's sometimes the words that we say with the attitude that we might have. So today we want to better learn to use words that will build up people rather than tear them down. No matter where we're at, whether we're at church, at work, at school, at home, or wherever it might be, and we probably all struggle with sometimes we get upset and we say things that we probably shouldn't. I'll rephrase it so it sounds better. We say things that maybe aren't the best. Does that make you feel better? So anyway, we're going to learn from Solomon how we're going to speak to one another. And as we start, i got another passage here. We're going to be looking at Proverbs, but we're going to look at the book of James first of all in James chapter 3, which is a very familiar passage, and I'm going to read verses 3 through 10. And here's what he says, starting in verse 3 of James chapter 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Now isn't that true? Our tongue is really small, but think of the damage it can do, or think of the good that it can do. That's James's point here. You put a small bit, it steers the horse. You got this small rudder and it will steer the big ship. So it's interesting, out of our mouths we can praise God. We can also curse God. We can praise God's creation, but also we can tear it down. Our mouths build up, our mouths encourage but a lot of times with our words, we can beat somebody up. That's why the words that Solomon tells us in Proverbs are so important. If we can't seem to say the right things or keep quiet, it threatens all of our relationships. And we probably all know people, there's some people that it's easy for them to express themselves. Right? There are some people that can talk on and on and on and on about anything. That's just who they are. They got this talkative personality. 
Then there's others that don't say that much. Their words are few. And a lot of times, whenever they do get ready to say something, you want to listen to them because, wow, I don't get to hear them very often. That doesn't happen at our house. Lisa has to hear me all the time, but... <laughs> um, neither are wrong. There are some people that are just more talkative than others. It's a product of our personalities. Now, here's some statistics for you. Depending on your translation, the Ten Commandments contain 297 words. The 23rd Psalm has 118 words. The Lord's Prayer has 56 words in it. And in a recent report, the Department of Agriculture needed 15,629 words to discuss the pricing of cabbage. So you see, it's not the ability to use a lot of words that makes a difference. It's the ability to use the right words. And so I really believe that we need to be careful when we use the words that we say out of our mouths. It's that, it's that old saying, oh, I've said this a lot. <laughs> if you don't have something good to say, don't say anything, right? Sometimes that's really good advice. Solomon tells us in Proverbs 17.27, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Now this will come as a shock to some of you. You don't have to know everything about everything. Now bear with me a minute. Because I'm learning in this process too here. There are times when we have to learn to keep our mouths shut. But sometimes, don't you just feel the need to get involved in a conversation? The problem is, sometimes we get involved in a conversation and we tend to turn the focus on ourselves so that, in a sense, we become the focal point. So if someone tells you, hey, you know what? I met John Elway the other day. Instead of just saying, wow, that's nice. You say, well, I met him once before. And not only that, but I saw Peyton Manning too. You know, we have to one-up it. Someone tells us about a physical issue. Well, that's too bad. But, oh, you know what? You think that's bad. I remember. And we go into our spiel. And we might think it's innocent enough because we're just sharing with them. But sometimes we just need to let someone share their story. Share their, let them share their story with us without us having to share ours. We don't have to one-up everything. Now in the next verse, in, in verse 28 of Proverbs 17, he says, Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. That's kind of what I'm talking about. Not that people think you're a fool, but when we're careful with our words, when we don't jump in at every breath, sometimes people think you're wise by not saying anything. 
For example, maybe you're at a meeting at work. And maybe it's a topic being discussed that you're not really familiar with. It's probably best not to talk a lot. Maybe you want to ask a few questions to find out more of what they're talking about, help you understand. Then maybe later on you can share your knowledge. Or when we're talking, sometimes people have a different viewpoint. Right? I mean, most of you agree with my viewpoint, but a lot of you don't. (laughs) Sometimes viewpoints, your viewpoint isn't necessarily the only one. There's probably out there people have other viewpoints. And just because you know something about someone doesn't mean you have to share that information with everybody. I think that's sometimes how we share prayer requests. Sometimes we share prayer requests as a form of gossip. Oh, Sally May is having, and then we go on for about three paragraphs of what's going on in her life, and then we end up by saying we should pray for her. And maybe she does need prayer, but oftentimes we might share information that we probably don't need to share, and we can just tell people to pray. Because you see, sometimes when we talk too much, sometimes we have another motive. Kind of a tough subject sometimes, isn't it? We've got to have wisdom in all of this. Sometimes we say things just to stir the pot. I can do that with my mom and dad. I can just bring something up that, man, do I know they're going to go with it. And then you can just sit back and be entertained for, for quite a while. Solomon says this in Proverbs 16:28. He says, A perverse or dishonest man sows strife, and a whisperer separates the best of friends. And you know what a whisperer is? Sometimes a whisperer is the one that they talk quietly so nobody else hears them in a sense. But why do they do that? The stuff that they're saying is probably gossip, and they know they're not supposed to share it, so they just say it a little bit quieter. A whisperer comes from the Hebrew root word, which means to roll into pieces. And I really believe that's what gossip and slander does. It just rolls things into pieces. So a person who is dishonest generally wants to create discord and problems. And so the whisperer wants to create dissension among friends and get them to battle with one another. Ultimately, Maybe they're not friends anymore. And I think we see that a lot in relationships, whether it's school, middle school, high school, college. We see it in adults. We see it in marriages. We see it all over the place in relationships. Now, I want to add one more thing. The word dishonest is really the word perverse. So it's a perverse person who seeks to spread strife. Now here's the scary part. Something to think about. 
Did it ever occur to you that when you talk bad about someone, God considers your actions perverse? That's kind of what the Bible says. If you look at Proverbs 17.9, again Solomon says, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. And I think that's crucial in friendships. Can you let an offense go or do you have to keep battling on it? Can you seek forgiveness in a relationship? Instead of going to everybody and everyone so that you can somehow gain people on your side, Get these battle lines drawn? Because I think that's what happens. A lot of times, we tell people, I mean, if we're really honest, we will tell people, or tell other people what's going on, not so much so we can get some good advice, but so we can spread stories. Because if we're really seeking advice and counsel from a trusted friend, by all means, you need to share that. But I don't think you want to go to everyone seeking advice just so you can get the story out. That's kind of what Facebook is, sad to say. Some of you talk too much on Facebook. <laughs> so repeating everything that you hear destroys friendships. That's why you need to think before you speak. You need to think before you type. And you need to consider whether or not you need to say anything at all. You don't have to repeat everything you hear. Now here's another one that Solomon gives, and this is kind of hard scripture. Proverbs 18.13 says, To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Think about the damage we do sometimes before we have all the facts and we start saying things. Think about how many people have been guilty in our minds yet when the facts and truth come out, they're innocent. And then add to the fact that we often don't wait for people to finish their sentences before we have to jump in. How many times have you tried to jump in to solve a problem that wasn't really there because you weren't really listening because you were thinking about the next thing that you're going to say, so you had no idea what they were saying. And then add to the fact that maybe if you're having a disagreement, you guys ever had a disagreement with anybody? I guess I'm just talking to myself, huh? But you have a disagreement, and I'm getting ready to get my defense going, and I have no idea what the other person's saying. I need to sit and listen to them. James tells us in James 1.19, he says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. Now that's not rocket science. But it's something that we need to try and practice more and more. In disagreements, when we're disagreeing with someone, we tend to not listen. Instead, we try to formulate our comeback. The other thing is, is we don't catch sometimes how the other person is feeling. And 
And so we begin to form our response while they're talking. And most of us can't think and listen at the same time. Like I said, I'm talking about myself here. Take marriages. One of the keys of marriage is communication. One of the keys of communication is to listen. Going to premarital counseling, it's all about communication. It's all about learning. And you've got to learn how to. It might be a really good one. Don't do it. Speak with wisdom and understanding because you're listening. And once you understand the other person, once you understand where they're coming from, what's going on in their life, and maybe what they're feeling, you're going to be a lot slower to become angry because you're going to relate to what they're going through. So in the end, disagreements don't have to turn into arguments. Confrontations and conflicts don't have to be feared if you approach them right. So if you take all that Solomon wrote in Proverbs and what James talked about the tongue and listening, and then you go over to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, a very familiar passage, Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. When you count other people as more significant than yourself, and you look to the interests of others, rather than just being selfish, it will change your perspective. And when that happens, you're going to be able to communicate better with others, and it's going to make a difference in your life showing the world who Christ is. Have you ever gotten really angry about something? So you thought I was going to say someone, didn't you? Got angry about something? And so you're just, you're just fuming. And then all the facts come out and you realize that you're wrong. You were the one who made the mistake. Or the person that you were blaming for whatever it was really didn't do it, but you blew up at them. And now you got to go and pick up all the pieces. That kind of stuff does a lot of damage to relationships. The words that we use have tremendous power. So as we move to the end of this, and everyone's going, good, let's just get some singing going and go do something else here. And there, there's a lot more. I'll save some of it for next week. But ultimately, our goal, our mission, if we are truly a Christ follower, is we need to try to make a difference in the world by the way we live our life. So just imagine how ugly our words can be towards others. Imagine what a person who is not a believer thinks when he sees Christian people using language 
and doing things, swearing, slandering, or whatever, hurting other people, what kind of witness and influence is that to people that are not Christians? Now remember this. Solomon said God views our God views us as perverse when we slander, when we swear. And the hope is that hopefully in all that we do, because we know Jesus in your life, if you don't know Jesus, I'd love to talk with you afterwards and pray with you. But because we know Jesus, we move into the world and we're in the world whether we're at home, at work, at school, the gym, wherever it might be, and we need to be showing the love and grace and power of Jesus in our lives in the way that we act and especially in the things that we say. And I got one more gripe. I cringe when Jesus is used as a swear word. I think we need to be in reverence of who God is. And so, I guess what I'm asking is all of us think before we speak and let the words that we speak be pleasing to, to our Lord and Savior. Because when we do that, we are honoring Him and glorifying Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this message. I it just probably hits home to all of us. And Lord, I just pray in my own life that I can speak better, that I can live a better example. And Lord, I just pray that we can really try and get to know people and to really find out maybe why they're feeling the way they are or maybe why they're acting the way they are and that we can maybe help them. But Lord, I just pray today that maybe some of us just need to repent of some of our language that we use and the words that we're using. And Lord, I just pray that we can go out of here renewed and refreshed, thanking You for forgiving us for the many wrongs and sins that we've committed. And Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone here that has never given their heart and life to You, Lord, I just pray even where they're sitting, they will ask You into their heart and life. Maybe others need some help in the area of language. And I just pray that You will help them with their words. And Lord, I just pray through all of it that we can be living examples into our community. And again, I just thank You for Your Word today. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.